Hey, hey, Monkeys fans. Welcome to another podcast, Valley Sunday. I am one of your hosts, Chris Paco. And I'm the other host, Jeff Cameron. How's it going, Jeff? Hey, okay. How about you, Paco? Going well, going well. Right on. Getting very excited for the uh, the top 20 jams. Ho, 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 ho. I feel like after doing the jellies, we've earned this one. <laughs> for, yeah, I agree. I agree. This is going to be uh, more fun. We're going to feel less bad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We don't have to like really try to find something we like about these songs. <laughs> it's almost like in reverse thing. We should find things we don't like about them. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed doing the jellies. There are a lot of them. Yeah, we found something we liked. And we were also like, well, maybe this song ain't so bad. You know, I, it's hard because they're still our favorite band. And something's got to be at the bottom, right? Yeah, exactly. And that was the one thing, too, in just <clears throat> re-listening to it uh, as well. It's like, yeah, no, a lot of those songs, like um, <clears throat> like Sacred Heart, I have to say, as I was listening, secret, secret, secret. secret. I always screw it up. I always call it Sacred Heart. <laughs> but like, apart from me not knowing the title, it was like <laughs> it, it, the, the, the repulsion that I thought I felt for it. I didn't feel for it again. So it was kind of nice to revisit the bottom. And you're like, you know what? All of these fish <laughs> who have evolved over time to not have eyes because they're down here in the dark depths, they're not that ugly. So yeah, no. So here we are. We're going to start it at the official number 20. Not like yeah. the fake number 20 going the wrong way kind of thing. Yeah, and just to reset the whole deal, for those of us who aren't paying attention, this is the randomatic countdown. Me and Paco here are doing a, a Monkeys episode guide, and at the end of every episode, we draw three random monkey songs from the Will Had a Mystery. So this isn't all the monkey songs yet. This is just what we've pulled over the course of uh, the first season. We still got a bunch to go. So if your favorite song ain't on here, sit tight. We might be pulling it during season two. Exactly. My my favorite song has yet to be pulled, actually. Oh, ooh. How about you? And this is, um, you know what? I got a lot of favorites, and um, uh, my my tunes are doing pretty good so far on this thing. But yeah, there's definitely one or two that I'm still kind of waiting to talk about. Yeah, I'm excited, and there's a a lot left still. You think like, holy smokes, there's not going to be a whole lot that we're going to dig. But when you look at the list of what we haven't picked yet, yeah, there's a ton for of real. songs. And there's already some I'm bummed we're not talking about here in the top 20. And it's just outside of the top 20. Yeah. But hey, what can you do? Nothing. The wool hat works in mysterious ways. It's very true. Works in its own way, I find. <laughs> we ready to go at number 20? Number 20 with a bullet. We've got Mr. Mike Nesmith singing Papa Jeans Blues. <laughs> I had no more than I did before, but now I've got all that I need. For I love you and I know you love me. We pulled it back in episode 12, uh, sung by Mike, written by Mike from the Monkey's first album, from Mike's sessions that he ran right away, really asserting himself with his tunes and getting them on the show here and getting them on the record. And uh, what more can you say? Exactly. It's the, the, the first Mike Nesmith jam in, in the Monkees universe. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it, it's fantastic. I, I, I've always liked Papa Jean's Blues. Yeah, man. Like when I f uh, we first got into it and I found my mom's record and that was on it. And uh, it's a good one. Some records, some rare pressings, I think on the front, it says Papa Jean spelled with a J, like blue jeans. And uh, it's, it's a rarity. And uh, 
And also, it's one of Mike's trademark, uh, I don't say the title in the song kind of songs. Yeah, exactly. Because what would the song be called otherwise? It'd be a wicked long title, I think. You could almost almost pick anything to to be (laughs) the name of that song in that whole rant. Because it's, it's again, a a Mike Nesmith usual (laughs) crazy rambly song. It's the long melody, a big run-on sentence. I think it could have been called "Play Magic Fingers," but uh, or maybe not. I don't know. But no, and it it fit really well with the show. It was a good romp song. It was yeah, a, they used it a bunch. We saw it a few times this season. I think. Yeah, yeah. Mike Nesmith laying in his pockets in '66 with how many times this popped up. <laughs> and uh, they do a, the performance. They do it with the suits, right? Yeah. This one they do in this. Yes. Yeah, in in the purple room. Yeah. It, just uh, even just the uh, the chorus. I have no more than I did before, but now I've got all that I need. Because I've it. got you and you've got me. Such a a perfect pop song. Fantastic. For real. So I think I think it's a great opener for the top twenty. I don't. I'm sure when we do the series end wrap up, I'm not sure it'll still <laughs> be in the top twenty. But for now, it is. So anyways, Papa Jean's Blues at number twenty. Here at the Randomatic Countdown, how you feel about it? I feel good. I you like said, where it is. I like that it's even in the top 20. It's good. So, number 19, we're, we're into the teens already. Time's flying. How about that? Gotta tell. <laughs> Up next, at number 19, it's Randy Scouse Get. Why don't you put your We pulled it back in episode 13, and uh, it's always been, uh, it's almost every Monkees fans, among their favorite songs, I think. I was going to say, it's almost like the first song that showed where the Monkees were going to be going. You know what I mean? Like when they kind of took over for themselves, and the song yeah. was a little bit... I don't know if psychedelic's the right word, but a little bit out there. Mickey's, you know, his kind of sing-songy storytelling was coming up. And I feel like this is the, I feel, for me, I feel like this is where Mickey was like, okay, I'm a musician now. I'm not just an actor. And I think that's, that's where like. That's an excellent point. I, I agree with you there, Paco. Singing about the Beatles, talking about what they're going through. It's also a very cool monkey autobiographical song, but what they were dealing with in this explosion of new fame. Definitely. The little snapshot of what it was like to be uh, Mickey Dolan's in 1967-ish. Yeah. And um, it's very cool. And and he does the verse and the chorus and the verse, and then they do them both together, and they just layer it up on each other, which is a pretty neat neat concept. It's like almost like a round going on. It's kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, it's a great ending, and it, it's... It feels chaotic. It feels like the camera zooming in and out fast on Mickey banging and screaming on a drum. It's just a fun tune. It's iconic in terms of the show with Mickey wearing the tablecloth and wailing on the drum in the in the rainbow room. It's just a definitive monkeys tune. Yeah, set the tone for where it was going. And it's a fun song. Like Mickey screaming, the drum, the tablecloth. It's like you're saying, it's 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 iconic. It's an iconic tune and an iconic image of them playing the song. 
Totally. You just you just attach it to that. And um, the whole deal about it being called alternate title in the UK gave it that much notoriety, which I'm sure Mickey was thrilled with because it's just like, wow, look at my look at what my song is doing. Controversial and stuff. Yeah. Because it roughly translates to a uh, horny liver puddly and jerk. And not a not a cool thing to have a, a song titled as, I guess. Can't say it on the BBC. Hey, hold on there. We're not all jerks. <laughs> George, welcome back, buddy. How you been? My ears were burning and I thought I'd show up to set the record straight. You don't say, George. Wow. <laughs> I wish they just <laughs> called it George Harrison's a git. That would have been something else. <laughs> you may be right, George. You may be right. My goodness. Maybe the next Mike and Mickey show. <laughs> Maybe, dude. Maybe. Okay, I've got to go. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, George. Okay, thank you, George. Oh, thank you. Have a good time in the afterlife, my man. Always do. Fantastic. <laughs> and it is kind of funny on the live record, the Mike and Mickey live record, Mickey tells that story again. And whenever he tells that story, it's always fun, the, the alternate title thing. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so here we are on to number 18 of the, the, oh, the big rockin' shoe. We've got another another uh, show staple, I would say. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Got uh, for Pete's sake... And this one, probably more than uh, most, is uh, connected with the show be- just because it was the the end credits for the second season. Yes, it's, it's like literally part of the show mm-hmm. for almost half the episodes. I don't know, maybe they busted out. I guess we're about to find out this year. But maybe they use it within a show, but I'm not super sure if they do. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, it's a good question. But it's great. It's so cool. It's the guys playing. And uh, it's Mickey singing a Peter song. And if why is it called for Pete's sake? I don't know, but maybe for him to make a few bucks every time it's on the air. I think so. They're like, <laughs> come on, guys. we got to help Peter out here. <laughs> but uh, Maybe you could put any song up with the closing credits as long as it, the pictures are switching on the beat. But it just fits. It just fits. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like when I think of this song, I think of the end credits, which is almost yeah. a detriment to the song itself. Because then when you just hear For the you, song on its own, you, it's like... you dislike those... Uh, you dislike the end credit photos. So I know you're... Uh, I do dislike the end credit photos. But it's almost like it gets connected with an end credit song rather than just being a good song uh, on its own. And it, and it is a, a great 60s song. That I I, I, I I like where it's at because I feel it does get lost in the shuffle sometimes of great monkey songs. Yeah. Because it's almost right. like the theme where it's attached to the, the, the show so much. Definitely. And like you just kind of touched on, it is a very summer love era. Love and understanding and stuff. And, uh, and gener- talking about your generation and what have you. And it's very of the time kind of. Yeah, protest song. Well, we got to be free, man. That's yeah, the gist of it. And it opens with that that almost like half-ass guitar, like <laughs> and then it comes in. It has like the the but then when it kicks in, like um, 
We both love one another. It kind of gets like all jammy. You're like, ooh, okay, let's yeah. dance with it. And it goes into the chorus, and the the background vocals are fantastic. Going into the end, the end fade out yeah. and everything. It's a yeah, fantastic song. Peter, this might to me one of Peter's best written songs for the Monkees. Yeah, and I think uh, its placement here on the countdown indicates that there's not much Pete up ahead of it so far, and there's might be a little more coming soon. Who knows? But uh, but yeah, this is good. And you could tell the monkeys are at the kind of like the height of their creative powers for this and the song we just heard. And they're really feeling it. The, the universe is on their side and they're really putting out good tunes. Yeah. Yeah. This would have probably been in looking back on the monkeys to be like within that circle. This probably would have been the time they look back the fondest on. Like when they were first mm-hmm. stretching their legs out, the show was going well. Yeah. They got to do their own thing. They got out of the thumb of Kirshner, and they're just, uh, yeah, I've, this is probably the sunniest times. Even though there's better records coming up, I feel this is the time when they're the most the monkeys in a yeah, room together. Then just haven't taken control of it, yeah. and they still have the show, and they get to do the whole thing. Yeah. And it's hard to get perspective on how quickly this all happened and all went by. Yeah. It's, it's like a semester or whatever. It's like all this yeah, it's crazy. This whole season and a record or two, and blam, just, it's like hard to even imagine that. Think of like uh, three months in your in your early twenties, and, and per- perspective wise, here in your forties, look back. That's like a it's like a traffic stop. Yeah, yeah, and to get that, like literally all of them except for maybe maybe Mickey and and Davy were kind of somebodies, but not super somebodies. But Pete right. and Mick, Pete and Mike were nobodies, and then all of a sudden you're thrown into going across all different realms of entertainment. It's not like, oh, your band got big. It's like, well, no, your band got big, but you're also on television, and you're also touring, and you're doing all these things. You're on these. You're you're a, you're a Halloween costume, and it's all this <laughs> stuff. It's just like, how do you deal with that, man? It's like, it's the Beatles had that, but they were going for that as well as musicians, and the the movie kind of came because of that. But with the Monkees, it was a totally. It, 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 it's like everything in the monkeys was in a water balloon hanging over their head and it just popped and <laughs> fell on them and all of a sudden they were soaked in monkeys. <laughs> soaked in monkeys. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, the general vibe for the headquarters era. Uh, encapsulated by the song we've been just talking about, our number 18 song, For Pete's Sake, sung by Mickey, written by Peter. Yeah, fantastic. And if, if it's been a while since you've listened to it, give it a listen because you will be like, oh my gosh, I forgot how good this was. Oh my gersh. That's what we say about for Pete's sake. Yeah. One, you got two big oh my gershes. Okay, so here we are. Number 17 happens to be my favorite number just in general. So Yeah, yeah so, that's a good one. So take, take that to the bank. But uh, we've got here, I'm not Joe, Stepping Stone. Classic, total classic. We pulled it back at episode ten, and this is a uh, this is a voice and heart number, isn't it? Mm-hmm. From the Monkees' first album, and I think we touched on it. I think the was it Paul Revere and the Raiders recorded their version first, but didn't do much with it. Then the Monkees' version came out, and then the Raiders were like, "Hey, actually, we got this song too," <laughs> and kind of coasted on that. Yeah, so weird, eh? 
Like, yeah, no, yeah. this song's meh. Oh, wait, a hit? Yeah, let's let's put that out again. Let's try that. It's, uh, it's like they're covering and, the monkeys. And when we got into the monkeys, it was right around when we were getting into uh, playing in bands and stuff. And just figuring out how to do Stepping Stone was kind of like a, a Stepping Stone. It, it truly was. Because <laughs> it was the great. world of rock and roll. Because it wasn't a hard song to learn. And it wasn't a hard song to make sound like it really sounds. You know what I right. mean? Like, so it's an easy chunk, chunk, chunk kind of song. And all of a sudden, like, holy smokes, yeah. I'm a musician. And until you get to the hardcore breakdown at the yeah. bridge. Yeah. What is this? That's over my head still. Not just stepping stone. Not just stepping stone. It's serious. <laughs> And for me, for this song, I think I mentioned it when we pulled it out there on episode 10, was uh, when I first, first, first got into Monkey's, I was like grade five, like a kid, I'd go to my grandma's house and it would be on TV and I'd watch it there. And uh, I didn't know anything about anything, but this song was the (laughs) first Monkey's song that I was like, I really like this. I really like this song a lot. It hit me, hit all the feels when I was like 12 (laughs) years old or something. And so that's what I really... That's how I remember the songs. Like the first song was like, ooh, okay, this is something else. And also, this is our highest charting song from the first record right here. Huh. There's, there's no how more off uh, The Monkees. I remember thinking about that, grabbing that record the first time and being like, in the first two records, I'm like, where's You Just May Be The One? Where's Valerie? They weren't there. But it did have Stepping Stone, so that was all right. Yeah, no, fantastic Early song, set the tone for the monkeys garage band wise, for sure. For sure. Great yeah, garage band song. Uh, yeah, if they really were a band on the beach on the West Coast, it's the kind of thing they would uh, be jamming out at whatever battle of the bands they happen to be playing at. So anyway, yeah, number 17, Nacho Stepping Stone, Boyce and Hart, and uh, Mickey on the vocals. Uh, then up next, we go from the first album to one of the very most recent albums. At number 16, we got Birth of an Accidental Hipster. And uh, it's sung by, I uh, know, written by, and uh, was it Liam Gallagher? No. And uh, Paul Weller. I screwed this up last time. I said, I think I said I said it was Peter Weller who co-wrote the song. That's RoboCop. <laughs> I'm pretty sure RoboCop did not co-write "Birth of an Accidental Hipster." Yeah. And it's Noel Gallagher wrote it, not Liam Gallagher. It was really Noel. Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? I don't. Real. I don't think Liam Gallagher writes anything. <laughs> he he writes stuff. He has his own band and stuff. Did you even? Did you just verify this for real, or did you? Are you just saying that because of your feelings towards young Liam? I don't know. I'm gonna check it out. I I I would be surprised if he did write it. Hold on. Let's have a look here. I think we would have heard more about it if it was Noel Gallagher. Yeah, Noel Gallagher and Peter and Paul Weller. Really, Noel? Wow. Okay. 
Yeah. Don't ask me. <laughs> well, it's kind of neat. Yeah, it's a fantastic song. It's a uh, we may as well, we've talked about this before, but we're going to talk about it now again because we're talking about that's, that's the, the whole point thing. of the whole thing. Good times was a real monkeys album. Like Pool It and Justice were the monkeys albums of the times, but Good Times felt like an actual monkeys album. The songs that were written were written by monkeys fans who weren't trying to fit in. It, mm-hmm. You were going to have like a bass drop in these new ones just so they could fit in with what's going on. Boom! And it was just great. For Monkeys fans, by Monkeys fans, but it actually included the Monkeys. So it was... Uh, <laughs> it's it, incredible. It checks all the boxes. No other band gets that kind of treatment, for no. real. No, and, it, and, and I do remember like when Good Times came out, to me it was kind of like it came out of nowhere. You know, yeah. kind of heard grumblings, yeah. but nothing really. And then all of a sudden it dropped, and it was like, okay, new monkeys, let's check it out. Because you're always excited for new monkeys. For sure. But, like, when you checked out, like, for us, when we checked out Justice, it was cool to hear them again. And it was like, okay, awesome. This is great. But when you checked out Good Times, it was like, whoa, wait a second. This actually is awesome. Like, it, it hits on a different level that those records hit. And, uh, yeah, can't say enough good about Good Times. It, it's one of the most aptly named records I've ever For heard. For real, of. <laughs> absolutely. And just this song itself, with the cool, very late '60s psychedelic guitars and Mike singing, and then it drops out to like a weird bridgey part oh. with Mickey doing the clickety clack. That singing. part is it, so great. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it's so fantastic, the whole thing. It, it's very monkey-esque how it could like shift gears from one thing to the other. We switch to the other singer, and it's, it's that kind of monkey song. Yeah, amazing. And I got to say, I was always surprised that Noel Gallagher wrote a song for the monkeys. Like, I was kind of like, really? I didn't know if he would just be like thinking they were a bunch of poofs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the fact that he was into it and wrote it, it was just radical just and it's a great song it's like a really great song yeah man i dig it it's i never skip it never (laughs) never and And yeah it's a good one yeah and i think uh we got another one of those good time songs kind of a little later on but for now that was uh number 16 birth of an accidental hipster from good times we're gonna take a break from the countdown here and allow uh chris paco to Go off about something. The, the other day, I was uh, rewatching a great movie called Detroit Rock City, which is about Kiss fans going to see a Kiss concert in in the seventies, whatever. It's and I know a lot of people rolled their eyes at that movie. I was one of them when I heard about it coming out because I'm not a fan of Kiss, but it's a fantastic movie. It's hilarious. It shows tr- like crazy fandom of being a teenager pre-internet, way pre-internet, and <laughs> and, and and with Kiss. It got me thinking about, and 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 you might have to stick with me here, but I feel Kiss had like a reverse monkeys trajectory in their career. And the reason I say that is, the monkeys were made to be a TV show about like you know the popular culture, and then they were like, well, let's put out some records then, so kids can have something to buy. So okay, let's do that. Then the records actually got taken seriously as a real band. So then the monkeys had to learn. To, to play their instruments, had to learn how to make their own records and had to tour and become a band. And now with the monkeys, they're still a touring band that you go see. And it's like, they start off as a TV show with kiss. 
they started off as being a band. We're just going to be a band that goes on rocks and be awesome. They got there, but then it was like people wanted more of Kiss. So then Kiss became Halloween costumes. They got their own movies. They got this whole other pop culture phenomenon from starting with a band to explode into what Kiss became, which now Kiss is a band. But you think of so many other things if you're outside of being a Kiss fan. When you think of Kiss, Ooh. it's the makeup, it's the gimmicks, it's the fire, it's all that stuff. Mm. And the music's there, but it's not the main thing anymore. And with the Monkees, it was the opposite, where they started off as all these other things and then became a band that got taken seriously. And going with good times and stuff, people are still taking them seriously. And it's a, just a reverse dynamic of where they started to where each of them ended up, I feel. What do you feel, Jeff? Oh, that's uh, that's valid. There's um, as we as we've talked about before, there's numerous parallels, similarities between uh, the monkeys and Kiss. But yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting way to look at the trajectory of how things happen for Kiss and why things happen. And um, Kiss is still an ongoing thing. If they'd probably be on tour right now if it wasn't, uh, you know, what it is today. And with Kiss too, with the makeup and stuff, they made it so they could switch characters instead of switching musicians. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Now they've said they'll but, never play with Peter Chris Race Fraley again. That just they wouldn't even right. play at the Rock and Roll but, Hall of Fame because of that. Uh huh. But like, here's the thing with Kiss: like when Peter and Ace left before. They replaced them with a dude dressed like a, a fox. Yeah. And a dude dressed like they changed that. But nowadays, they just get some other guy to dress like Ace and another guy to dress like Peter. And I was like, the monkeys never quite went that far. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> dress someone exactly like Davey. <laughs> Give the tambourine. Get, get out there. And, that's... and they, they, they get another dummy named Peter. Yeah. And that's where the monkeys <laughs> became more like a band. And Kiss became more like a TV show. It's like, well, just replace yeah. the character, like like a soap opera. Like today, Peter Chris just will like be played by Vicky Fox. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, it, and yeah, so Kiss has like become their own cyclone of mythology, where the monkeys have that <laughs> with them. But now you also take them seriously as a band. Uh huh. Totally. So it's it's very interesting <laughs> to, to me. Anyway, that's what I was thinking watching Detroit Rock City. <laughs> uh, yes, but yes, Kiss is structured in such a way they could literally replace Paul and Gene, and they could just the band keeps touring, the songs keep getting played, they keep rocking and rolling all night and partying every day, yeah. and it just never ends. They're the Blue Man Group, the the same group could be playing four <laughs> times across the planet at the exact same time, but you just you don't need you're just looking at the the makeup, not the person behind the yeah, makeup. Yeah, man, wow. There, there it is. There it is. That's my monkey's kiss correlation. Let us know well, if you if you're hearing this and you think it's crazy. Let us know, or if you agree, or if you think there's another band that has yes. like a monkey's kind of treatment. Um, Partridge Family is the only one I could think of that was on the same insane level. Yeah, let's see what happens. Yes. I'm waiting for someone to be like uh, the monkeys are just like Mott the Hoople. Here's why. <laughs> we'll see. You bring what you got here. Here at Podcast Valley Sunday. Our door is always open. Yeah, equal opportunity. To your opinions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So how's about we get back at it? There we go. Thank you for this this rant, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. And so here we go. Uh, number 15 coming at you. 
We've got Sometime in the Morning. Sometime in the morning A simple thought may occur to you And you hold her and Monkeys, Goff and King, sung by Mickey. <laughs> we never get to talk about this many super good tunes in a row. There's yeah. always something in between at some point. But not today, folks. Not today. Yeah, it's almost like I feel like we're going too fast through them, even though I know we're probably spending way too much time on each of them. But I'm just like, well, no. Yeah, we're already, it's, it's already been half an hour and we've done five songs. It happens in that, uh, in the one episode with the the flashback with the young Millie. Is that her name? The, mon- the monkey mother. Yeah, monkey mother. And they do that flashback. And it's like a very touching kind of moment. I always find. And so that's what I always think of when I hear this song. And so it's not only a good song, it also has a good moment in the, the episode. Yeah, there's a handful of tunes that are very much tied to their uh, appearance on the show. And just, just capture the moment just right. And um, we pulled this back in episode 26, which I think was an episode or two or three before Monkey Mother itself. Yes. But... Um, and uh, we dig it. It's a Goffin King tune. Uh, Mickey sings it excellently. And it sounds, I think we addressed how it sounds greater than the sum of its parts because it's just a drums, a guitar, a bass, and some keyboards. But it sounds like this uh, lush, beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's a very good, uh, very good early monkeys tune. Yeah. Big fan. Big fan. It goes down well. I've got to say. And, like, I'm also not a super big fan of, like, slow jams, to be honest. But this it's, one... It, it's not super It's not super slow. No, it's, it's not. kind of just mellow. 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 <laughs> quieter. Yeah. Quieter, yeah. But in, in someone else's hands, this song could have come off as schmaltzy. Imagine, like, uh, Davey singing it. It, it. it would hit the ears different. Yeah, exactly. She's got my jacket. It might have been a good Peter song if they let him have a go at it. He, oh, maybe. That's... that's there's some notes I think only Mickey could hit, and I think Ooh, that's ultimately that's why it's Mickey's song. Yeah, no, Mickey kills pretty much whatever you give him. So let's move on here to number 14. I think a fan favorite, like a real fan favorite. Yes, 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 yes. We have a lookout, parentheses, here comes tomorrow, close parentheses. I see all kinds of sorrow It out and everything, but I always thought it was Lookout was in brackets, and the song was mostly called Here Comes Tomorrow. But I the song is called, called Lookout. It may be the way it is. I just never really gave it much thought. <laughs> I guess you couldn't you couldn't call the song Lookout. Well, you, you can call a song anything, but <laughs> for this song, just we're talking about the monkeys here. They literally call a song anything. Yeah, it's true, and it's also a, a, a song that has the the title in the verse and in the chorus. That's fun. You know, so they're really hammering at home. They're like, look, we, we wrote this out a couple times. Let's put the whole thing that's, as a title. That's pop music. That's how you do it. <laughs> Repetition, my man. And and I do it feel, is, though, if you're going to use Look Out, Here Comes Tomorrow, one of those pieces has to be in parentheses because it's too long. It would sound too weird just to read it as itself. <laughs> I suppose you're right. We dig it. It's a Neil Diamond tune sung by Davey. 
and we pulled it back in episode 29 and it's clearly one of our more favorite Davy songs and it's just a lot of fun on the show it's uh, similar to sometime in the morning I think it's a blue shirt tune yeah yeah no and I can remember first hearing it with the box set and it being one of the first standouts like I remember the first pass of that box set, there was a couple where I was like, ooh, like that I remembered going back to again. And this yeah. was definitely one of the ones that really hit it. Great chorus. Awesome. And you could you can hear the Neil Diamondness of this song. You know what I mean? You could see him up on stage singing this song. Yeah, for sure. And having this problem that Davey has about <laughs> two girls. <laughs> too many too many birds, man. <laughs> it's totally right what you know, man. <laughs> Precisely. So that was number 14. Look out, here comes tomorrow on the Randomatic Countdown Top 20. I'm just scanning to see. How do you feel so far about where all these songs are placed? Um, it's not bad at all. I think uh, I'm not dead set against any of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that words is words and me and Magdalena are down in the 30s, and they would probably be just outside the top 20. But we'll address that another day. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll have a little switchamaroo. Because I'm not, I wouldn't really take anything out of this top twenty. I, I think it's it's plenty good. Yeah, I agree. It's, a, it's a, it'd be a solid disc. I'm telling you. Oh no, dudes, <clears throat> boots. All right, which brings us down to lucky number thirteen. And the reason I was bringing up how we feel about the placement, this oh, song feels low. It feels low. I'll tell you what it is. It's Valerie. Pulled at episode six, Boys and Heart Jam. You got the two different versions, right? And I think that might be a contributing factor to where it sits. Uh-huh. I think if we just put in the like the buzzy, real Valerie, <laughs> the good Valerie, yeah, the good the Valerie, real Valerie, it would be higher up. But I do have to say, like the. the the official Valerie, like with the horns and everything. It's still an amazing tune. Like that was another one I remembered upon first listen that stuck with me because it's such a great song and it, it's bare bones. Yeah. But uh, the buzzy Valerie was just like, <laughs> when I got the Missing Links volume two, it was on that. And I remember that was just... I bought it at the mall. Me and my mom were at the mall a couple cities over. And I found that in the in the shelf, Missing Links Volume 2, freaked out. <laughs> and I can remember driving home, sitting there. We didn't have a CD player in the car. And, and just looking at it and reading the liner notes and like salivating to put this record on. <laughs> I was so excited about it because it had the buzzy Valerie and we, we knew it from the show and it was just like, I couldn't wait. Yeah. I couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. It so let's just kind of ended up where it is, but Hey, we'll park it to the side and we'll, we'll discuss if something yes. seems a bit shaky. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say straight up, it could bump up to number 12, in my opinion. Well, yeah, we could put an asterisk on Valerie for now. It means a lot to us. It's important to the the monkey's whole vibe, and uh, it does mean a lot to us. I forget why we put it where we did. I think think we did factor in that 
the other version part. But would you put? It's kind of hard to put anything up ahead of our next one, which is number twelve, which is "I'm a Believer." Then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Not a trace. doubt in my mind. Written by Neil Diamond, sung by Mickey Dolenz, made famous by Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh this is like the most important monkey song there is yeah it's very true and other people would counter with daydream believer which is also there but i'm a believer is a yeah it it it's almost the thing it, that has kept the monkeys in the conversation of rock music and popular music i mean for yeah just in the culture itself yeah it just pops up everywhere and um we pulled it episode 16 actually we didn't pull it this was episode 16 was where uh i'm a believer had been on the show for the fourth time in a row and i declared it an opportune time to discuss i'm a believer yeah they pushed it hard man when it hit they knew what they were doing and it got to number one yep the system works (laughs) important song people will probably say it's too low but uh i understand that (laughs) Especially since we had the balls, the sheer audacity to go and put a good time song up ahead of it here at number 11. That's right, folks. It's You Bring the Summer. I'll bring the chips and the dips and root beer. Even though dark purple rain clouds are near. When you come around, you bring the summer. We pulled an episode 30, an Andy Partridge tune, uh, and sung by Mickey. And uh, I think I Mike's on the backgrounds. And uh, I love this tune. Yeah, it's a really great... It, it it sounds like summertime. You bring the summer. It's a great song. The videos... What they've done with the videos is really a great idea. Where it's just the For animated real. young monkeys. And mm-hmm. it, it just sells the vision that you have of the monkeys. And also the, how this record sounds. It sounds like it was made yeah. with those monkeys. And, it's, and even like... The kind of rotoscoped animation where it's just yeah. the, the the shapes and the images and it's kind of hazy and, and memory-like. Yeah. And like that's, that's basically what you remember Yeah, in your head when you're re-watching them with the surfboards. You don't remember all the details. You remember just yeah how it looks and how it felt and how it makes you feel. It's almost like they're saying, okay, we're not trying to get new young fans. <laughs> we're going to hit the nostalgia part of the fans we have and instead of yeah trying to fit in with what's going on let's let's hit all their nostalgic nerves and that's what they're doing yeah, images yeah, yeah. and fun times and monkeys and it the whole package was amazing and it worked perfect for monkeys fans i think for real yeah and even on the whole like rolling stone magazine put me in magdalena in like the top 25 of the year or whatever it was they got a lot of press from rolling stone yeah which had in the past famously been sort of uh, anti-monkeys. Yeah. <clears throat> Jan Wenner doesn't dig them or whatever, but screw those guys. <laughs> then they finally, ultimately, the publication recognized that they're the goddamn monkeys. And if we're going to keep talking about the Stones and the Beatles all the time, we have to talk about the monkeys too. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, I, I like this song. That It's in the in the top 20 for sure. It's very cool. And that video has a lot of like little Easter eggs, little, if you read the words in the newspaper, they 
mentions Mr. Schneider and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's very cool. Check out that video. Yeah, yeah. Maybe on, on our YouTube, if you're listening to us on YouTube, we'll put a link to that video down below. There you go. We'll we'll never get around to doing that. I'm doing it. I promise. All right, so then that's the end of the uh, part one of our top 20 jams. Part two coming up, the jammiest of jams. This lineup could take down the, the 27 Yankees here at the top 10, I think. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So from me, Paco. <laughs> and me, Jeff. Have yourselves a monkey's little evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Monkeys fans. With everything going on with social distancing, Podcast Valley Sunday will be on every two weeks. We hope you're staying safe. We hope you're staying at home. And we hope that you're listening to the Monkeys and obviously Podcast Valley Sunday. You can check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube. And please, rate us and leave a message. We'd love to hear from you. But, as always, be gentle with us. We're very sensitive.